Welcome to The Daily Cut, a podcast of Park Community Church. I'm Trevor Lovell, a pastor from our near north location. Throughout this season, we wanted to create something consistent that would help add even a little sense of rhythm to life. And so to do that, we created The Daily Cut, short biblical devotionals, just small sips of the word that we hope encourage and challenge you as you grow in your faith and walk with Jesus. This is The Daily Cut, and I'm Trevor Lovell. All right. It's good to be with you all. I hope you're doing well. Uh, and happy Memorial Day, right? Today, uh, on this Monday, we are setting the theme for the rest of this week. We are starting the week series together. And I'm excited to say that this time around, we're going to be spending the week exploring the book of Proverbs, right? Not so much in the sense of exploring the general structure as a whole uh, and trying to get a feel for the whole book. But what we're trying to do is just to kind of dive right into the deep tracks to the middle section of the book, chapters 10 through 29, uh, and kind of cherry pick different Proverbs that are within there. These um, short, pithy sayings containing wisdom and to teach from those. Right, which honestly isn't the easiest thing to do in the world. Teaching from Proverbs is a little bit of a challenge. And so, uh, but the thing is, it's always exciting to try something new out, to take on a new challenge uh, that you haven't done before, stretch yourself a little bit. So that's what we're actively trying to do this week as we go through Proverbs. And so I hope you enjoy the ride and uh, hope we're all better uh, at the end of it. So let's jump into it. Today, we're looking at Proverbs chapter 13, verse 18. And we're going to take just that single proverb and center our time on that. And so I'll read that for us now. Proverbs chapter 13, verse 18. It reads like this. Poverty and disgrace come to him who ignores instruction, but whoever heeds reproof is honored. And that's it, just that single line. Poverty and disgrace come to him who ignores instruction, but whoever heeds reproof is honored, right? Just that sentence. So let's jump in with that, right? We see first off that this verse has two lines within it. It's a sentence, but it's broken up into two halves, right? That are working together by way of contrast. In the proverb itself, it's making its point that way through contrast, right? The contrast is what shows us the meaning. And so we see in the first line that the person who ignores instruction is met with poverty and disgrace. That's the situation they wind up in because they ignored instruction. It's a causal relationship. In these words, poverty and disgrace, right? The first one, poverty refers to wealth, to the absence of monetary resources, someone who is in material need. The second word, disgrace, refers to a person's social standing, right? And disgrace is a person who doesn't have uh, respect, doesn't have respect in the sense of the respect of others in a social uh, meaning, in a social setting, that, that kind of sense. And so the result of ignoring instruction, what we see from these two words of the result of turning a deaf ear to feedback, right? And to well-meaning criticism is that you end up there, right? In poverty and disgrace. That's the first line. And then in the second line, we're given the outlook for what happens to a person who does listen to instruction, who can take uh, and who does take and receive feedback. And this is what it says, but whoever heeds reproof is honored, right? And that word honored, it corresponds most closely to the word disgrace, right? It's the opposite of that. And it has that sense of social respect. The person who listens to and accepts feedback uh, isn't disgraced, but they're honored instead, right? It's the opposite of that. And so, uh, but also because of the contrast this proverb puts uh, between these two lines, right? It also makes sense to say that the honor also has a material aspect that plays into it as well. And so this one word honor kind of corresponds to the opposite of both poverty and disgrace. 
right? And so the poverty and disgrace comes to those who ignore instruction, who can't take feedback, but whoever heeds reproof, right? Whoever can accept and grow from it is honored, right? The opposite of poverty and disgrace. That's the basic message of the proverb. And just a quick caveat, right? With these proverbs, they're, they're general uh, instructions for, for how to live with wisdom in, in God's world, right? They're not always promises that if we do these things, this will happen. But they're probabilities that if we base our lives around these things, there's a good chance that these things will bear out for us, right? And uh, so just a, a quick caveat there that they're probabilities more so than promises. But Maybe you're listening, right? And you're thinking, okay, uh, so the, so the proverb is saying, right? Poverty and disgrace come to him who ignores instruction, but whoever heeds reproof is honored, right? But, but what about feedback and criticism that just isn't helpful? What does this mean for that? For what about, what about feedback that's not trying to be helpful, but that's, that's just hurtful? Isn't there actually some feedback that we should just disregard? Isn't there some criticism that really is just best ignored, right? How, how do we take this and actually apply it to the real feedback and the real criticism that we receive throughout our lives? And I think the answer to that initial question is that yes, right? Not all feedback is created equal. And some honestly just really isn't worth the time or the energy. But the trick is deciphering when that's the case and when it isn't. Because I think a lot of times our filter for feedback, it's really easy for it to become more so about whether or not the feedback hurts rather than whether or not it's helpful, right? Our filter for feedback and for criticism can very easily uh, become more about what hurts, right? If it hurts, then then we don't want to listen to it. We don't want to deal with it. We don't want to learn from it rather than whether or not it's helpful, And so what that means is sometimes we get really helpful feedback, but it's just not packaged very nice and it hurts. It can be painful to receive because sometimes the intention behind the feedback actually is to hurt, right? Not everybody has your best interests in mind, right? Because sometimes the the feedback, it actually is trying to hurt you. But just because that's the case, that doesn't automatically mean that it's not helpful, right? Because what I've found is that a lot of times, even in scenarios like that, there's often a kernel of truth within the feedback, right? It's been packaged in a way that's hurtful. uh, And it's not always the case. It's not every time that there's something helpful, but a lot of times there's something in the criticism that can be taken and learned from. And really that's the wise thing to do because otherwise you'll just end up getting the same message from somebody else six months down the road, somebody else who was upset because of the way your flaw is working out in their life. And so the point is you might as well just learn from it now and grow from it, right? Take the painful, hurtful criticism that's coming your way today, whether it's from a boss or an employee, a friend, a mentor, even just a family member, right? Take it and learn from it and be better because of it. And so instead of filtering feedback by what its intention was, right? Or by how much it hurt to receive it, instead filter it by its quality, right? And specifically by how clear, and how constructive it is. It's okay if a criticism was meant to hurt you, if it's, if it's clear and constructive, because if they're pointing out a legitimate flaw, you can learn from that. It's a way of turning your critics into coaches. But the time when you disregard feedback, whether it's positive or negative, is when it's not helpful, right? when it's neither clear nor constructive. Right? Somebody's just given you their opinion and there's really nothing specific about it. It's just vague, right? And feedback that, that is vague and unclear and doesn't seem to be based in anything, 
there's nothing that you can learn from that, whether it's positive or negative, right? That kind of reproof, that kind of feedback, in my opinion, you can feel free to disregard because no matter how much you dissect it, it doesn't have anything to offer to offer you. You can't draw anything from it in order to grow or to improve, right? And so that's our filter, not whether or not it hurts, but whether or not it's clear and constructive, whether or not it actually has substance, because we can learn from that kind of feedback, no matter how painful it is, we can turn our critics into coaches, right? And so that's the first piece that I wanted to touch on, kind of what our filter is for feedback. The second thing uh, is this, right? So our proverb says, poverty and disgrace come to him who ignores instruction, but whoever heeds reproof is honored. I think another interesting question around this, and just trying to dig under the surface a little bit deeper here, is why wouldn't we heed reproof? What leads us to ignore instruction? What leads us to, to fall more into the category of this first line rather than the second? What leads us to ignore feedback even when it's clearly helpful? That's the second piece that I want to explore. And, and it's going beyond the filter, right? Going beyond just rejecting criticism because it's not packaged nicely, right? It's And I think a lot of times what's going on here when we reject criticism, when we don't want feedback, um, I think a lot of times what that shows is, is a good deal of pride and actually insecurity. I think it's showing that underneath the surface, there's pride and there's insecurity, or really there's insecurity that manifests itself in pride because you end up telling yourself, I'm good enough at this that I don't need feedback. I don't need to improve. I know what I'm doing. I know how to lead. I know how to love my spouse and my kids. I know how to do my job. I know what I'm doing. And so I don't need feedback. I don't need anybody else's opinion on how I'm doing. But what that is, that refusal to listen, it seems like arrogance. And it is, right? There's a piece of it that is arrogance, but it's not just that. Because when it comes to pride and arrogance, the other side of that coin is always insecurity. It's fear. The person is afraid to see their flaws. There's a fear around acknowledging their own shortcomings. And that's something that we can all fall prey to, a fear of failure, not just of failing itself, but of the idea of being a failure, of not being as great uh, that for some reason we think we need to be. Because when criticism comes and it points out where you're falling short, that means you're not good enough. That means you're not where you should be. It means you're not perfect. It means you're not killing it in every aspect of life. And I think that's a scary thought for some people. Right, to think of acknowledging that reality that I'm not as good as I think I am. But the truth is, none of us are actually as good as we'd like to be in any aspect of life. We all have areas we can improve in, and we all have things left that we still need to learn. And so when you find yourself in a place like that, right, where you're feeling that, uh, even responding in a pretty strong emotional way to feedback, I think there are some helpful things that we can do. As followers of Christ, I think there are some helpful things that we can lean into. And the first thing and the most foundational thing is the gospel, that our identity isn't found in being the greatest at anything. Our success is not who we are. That doesn't define us. Our identity is found in Christ alone. And what that does for us is it frees us up from this need to be perfect. Because if we're not, our lives won't crumble because of it. Because our lives aren't based on our own perfection, on our own greatness, right? Our, our lives aren't based on us at all. Right? They're based on Jesus. And so when that's the case, it becomes okay to seek growth and to acknowledge weaknesses and to not be perfect because we're not trying to be perfect. We're just trying to be faithful. 
And I think one trait that that should instill within us is humility, is the ability to acknowledge that we're not perfect and to listen to feedback and criticism from others and to learn from it. And even to do so, not for the sake of our own success, but in order to grow in faithfulness, in order to grow in helping other people. Because sometimes the remedy we turn to for fear, instead instead of turning to the gospel, instead of turning to humility, is we end up talking up ourselves Right? This trying to like go with this um, positive self-talk, trying to instill confidence, telling ourselves how great we are. But really all that does is it builds up our pride. Right? We try and fill that gaping hole of insecurity with pride, with positive thinking. But the thing is, right, it can't ever fill that hole. And it just ends up making the problem the problem worse. And so really the remedy isn't just more positive thinking. It's not trying to, to fill that hole with positive thoughts, with instilling our own confidence, right? It's what, what the actual remedy is, is the gospel, right? It's a grounded humility that comes from the gospel. Because when we have that, feedback isn't so scary, and we can take it and we can work it through our filter. We can discard that which isn't helpful, and we can take that which is, and we can learn from it. Right? Even when it's hurtful, we can grow from it and we can become better because of it. And so those are some of the thoughts right, that hopefully are helpful around receiving feedback and how to filter it, how to approach it, and, uh, and how to implement it. Right Now, I just want to close with a quick story. One of Hans Christian Andersen's uh, most well-known stories, the, he's the famed Danish author of so many different fairy tales, but one of his most well-known stories is that of the, the emperor's new clothes. And in that story, there's this emperor who loves clothes more than anything. And uh, there's these two swindlers who come into the city and they know this about the emperor and they actually take advantage of it because right? they make their way in and they weave a reputation for themselves about the city. Uh, that they're able to create the most beautiful clothes in all of the empire. And so this emperor who loves clothes, he has them come and he hires them to make some new clothes for him. And they they agree to it. They're paid very well for it and they make these clothes. But as the emperor is trying them on, so they're putting these clothes on and having him admire himself in the mirror, they tell him that these clothes are special and you can only see them if you're fit for your post or your role in life. Like if you're, if you're competent, then you can see the clothes and you can admire how beautiful they are. But there's a trick with these clothes, right? Where if you're unfit for your role in society, if you're incompetent for your post, then these clothes are invisible to you and you can't see them at all. When it actually, when what's actually happening in the story is there aren't any clothes at all. Right? They're just making up a lie and they're tricking the emperor. And so, but the emperor, he falls for it. He's not wanting to admit that he's unfit for his post. He's not trying to, to admit that he's incompetent as emperor. And so what he does is he pretends to see these clothes in the mirror and to admire how beautiful they are. When in fact, he's standing before the naked. And that's what he actually sees because there aren't any clothes, but he's pretending to see them. And, and so as the rest of the story goes on, the king or the emperor is showing off these clothes to the different people uh, within, the, within the city, within the empire. And eventually there's this huge parade uh, that the emperor has to show off his beautiful new clothes in front of the entire city. Right? And everybody can see this glaring and obvious fact that the emperor has no clothes on. But nobody wants to say anything because they're afraid of what it will mean for them. 
And so everybody just keeps silent as the emperor is parading through the city in front of everybody, just completely naked, showing off his new beautiful clothes that aren't even there. And then in the midst of the the parade, what happens is a child sees him and cries out in front of everybody while they're all talking and admiring the clothes that aren't there. uh, The child cries out, but he isn't wearing anything at all. And I think that illustrates our proverb pretty well, right? That poverty and disgrace come to him who ignores instruction, but whoever heeds reproof is honored. It's not that the emperor didn't listen to feedback that came his way. It was that no feedback came, right? When you live in a world without feedback, where nobody is willing to call out your shortcomings, where nobody's willing to be honest with you and tell you that which is glaring and obvious, you end up in the same place as the emperor, in public disgrace, right? And if we don't start listening to the feedback that we receive today, that's where we'll be. Because if we stop listening to the feedback and the criticism that people offer us, pretty soon that well dries up and we're left in the same space and the same type of place as the emperor. And so the point is, even if it hurts, even if it's not packaged nicely, accept the criticism that comes to you today and learn from it. Because whoever heeds reproof is honored. And honor is a whole lot better than disgrace. Thanks for listening today. I hope you're doing well. We'll be back tomorrow with another short devotional. So stay tuned.